Yep. Uh, this is Pals with Bill Wadman. Today's uh, guest is my friend Clay Williams, who is a photographer. Man, I got two photographers in a row. I don't. I haven't interviewed many photographers, but you, it's you and Matt Carr, like one on one. Hey, here we are. Uh, uh, I've known Clay. God, how, when did we meet? 2012, 20, I have no idea. Like at least ten years ago now. I don't know what time is anymore. Yeah, as you it's get older, like, it just gets yeah compressed. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing means anything anymore. I, I don't, uh, and as far as time goes, and I think it, like, I think it started with the pandemic, like where sure. time didn't mean anything. But then, like post pandemic, it's like everything is like I don't know. It was some time before the pandemic. Was it five minutes? Was it five years? Yeah, I don't know. Um, and yeah. we may never know. Right. Um, <clears throat> now you 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 grew up in New York. I did. Born and raised. Uh, whereabouts in New York? Um. I am a Brooklynite, largely. I was uh, I lived in Queens until I was nine, but uh, the the last thirty five years I've been in uh, I've been in Brooklyn. And how do you feel about Queens versus Brooklyn now? Oh, I mean, I'm definitely. I mean, I I I'm very much a, a Brooklyn person. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Queens people have more of a chip on their shoulder about Queens than Brooklyn people have about Brooklyn. Oh yeah. I mean, I don't know if Brooklynites have a chip on their shoulder that much anymore. I think, I think maybe we used to, and then no. Okay. Let me take that back. We used to have a chip on our shoulder about the fact that we're objectively a great place that didn't get the respect it deserved. Sure. And then suddenly it did. And then now we have a chip on our shoulder because once everyone realized there's cool shit in Brooklyn, yeah. they basically ruined it. <laughs> See, yeah, you're old school Brooklyn. See, I, I've been <laughs> here for 25 years. So I've been here a while too. A while. Yeah. Um, not quite as long as you, but long enough, longer right. than I've been anywhere else. You know? Right. Yeah. Um, now, you are known originally you you shot a lot of straight food right that was like your 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 big thing um i would say i cover food okay um because like you shoot both food and you shoot the people who make food yeah and that's always been a part of what i do um i think i you know i mean hell when i was first starting out i wasn't just shooting food i was shooting you know, I was shooting music, I was sure. at shows, I was, um, you know, uh, events, art openings, this and that, all these things are happening. It was, you know, Brooklyn in the, you know, the mid to late aughts and early teens. And that's where, like, that's what was going on. Um, and so I shot a lot of that, but when I got into food, specifically or went down that rabbit hole i was always photographing chefs or actually no i mean uh i was photographing street cart vendors and you know cooks and you know people making things and plating things and doing all of that stuff as much as i was uh taking pictures of the food itself so like my first food beat was um covering street food for a site named midtown lunch which is long departed but um it's it's really the it's it's really zach's fault for for where i am today what what, um, what, uh, what years would that have been um 
It was actually around now. Uh, it was January of 2009. Okay. When um, Zach Brooks, the guy who launched the site, um, it had been a one-man show for years, got a big following, but then he moved to L.A., and um, he tapped a couple, um, a couple bloggers who had day jobs, office jobs in the Midtown area to take over and expand it and cover like different parts of the area and whatever. Um, and when I was doing that, you know, I was, you know, it was exactly when like food trucks started blowing up and, you know, uh, I, I was, I was, you know, you can take, if you're, if, if, if the stories that you're telling are about the differences between different like halal cart vendors, mm -hmm. then like it's only so many pictures of the actual, like sure. uh, the actual food that is important versus like the line, the guy doing it, yeah. like, you know, what are the differences and how it's being done? What is the thing that makes this one different from that one? Right. And so, um, in that sort of storytelling and that sort of like part of the I know, journalism of it all, it was not necessarily just about beauty shots of food. Right. Um, I still do that. I mean, I, I that was a part of it and it, it's, it's still a part of what I do, but yeah. like it's um, like, I've always chafed a little bit at being called a food photographer sure. because like, like it's never been like, I've never been, I've never been like a dedicated studio food photographer. Right. Like, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And I, I know some of them, right. Where it's, yeah, it's all too. very particular and yeah. nowadays they're all into video and slow motion and right, right, all that stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, but for you, if it wasn't for this guy, would it have been food for you? Um, I mean, there's a certain, it does feel like there's a certain inevitability to it. Right. Um, it, food was a part of what I covered already. Yeah. Um, it's hard for me to imagine which other, if I were it, you know, assuming I would have gone down the rabbit hole of photography either way, it's hard to imagine any other things I was shooting that would have kept my attention the way that food has over yeah. the last, you know, whatever. Um, it is interesting that food can go from 15 years, literal food cart in some place in Queens off, off of the, off of the subway yeah. all the way up to three-star restaurants. Yep. I mean that, that spectrum is enormous. It is, but you know, you got to eat, right? And yeah. So it doesn't matter, uh, doesn't matter what's, you know, highbrow or lowbrow or yeah. whatever. Um, uh, there is a, uh, there is a a necessity of food that means that like it's always going to be a part of our existence, our lives, sure. like what we do, um, and and you know that's um that's the thirty dollar sandwich I had like at happy hour yesterday night uh, yesterday yeah. evening um, or the you know, the, the grilled skewers I had on the, uh, after the subway ride home, walking right. home, um, uh, you know, at like almost midnight last night. Right. right. Like, right. um, you know, I took pictures of both. Right, <laughs> um, right, 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 right. You know, and, and I mean, I'm sure you have nightmare and, and, and dream stories of, 
a guy in a cart and a chef at a fancy restaurant and everywhere in between. Right. But is there, you know, I could imagine, um, a relatively young chef opening a new place and being excited about it and being excited to be photographed. I mean, there's gotta be certain situations where it feels different than others. Um, well, I'll say this, uh, Usually, if a chef is in the middle of opening up a new restaurant, the picture is is you. Uh, that's usually the thing that they're least interested in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, they they usually have so many other balls in the air that having to carve out a couple hours uh, to deal with me, sure, um, is more likely to be one of the things that like their PR person or front of house person or management or whoever has said like you got to do this like just step away from the kitchen for a little while as good as you're going to make the food no one's going to come unless it's written up in the new york times right right um and so uh i mean i i do have folks who get excited about me being there and who like have seen my work and who you know who get it but uh but certainly they're uh just just as often there are times when everyone's like running around with their hair on fire and they're like, I have to stop sure, <laughs> so that I can deal with this. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Yeah. So, or excuse me for a moment. I got to go. Yeah. Yeah. Right, I'll be right, right back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I literally have to put out a fire. Right? You know, I've, yeah. I've photographed a handful of chefs myself in my life. And, uh, I find a lot of the ones that I photograph seem to be very media trained. Of, right. Of course. Of you course. know, cause they yeah, end yeah. up being like, yeah, somebody but, gets their picture taken a lot. Right. Or they were on a TV show or they were, yeah. you know, this kind of stuff. Right. Yeah, Where yeah. in some ways they're less interesting because they're only giving you one thing. Yeah. It's funny. There's a chef that I know who I've hung out with. I've talked to, uh, you know, we've had drinks together, like, um, and every time I take his picture, he does the same arms crossed thing. Yeah, and yeah. I, I call it the, sorry. It's all right. Is that better? Yeah. Um, should I start over? No, go ahead. Okay. Um, and I called him on it, uh, yeah. uh, like last time I saw him and he's, uh, or maybe two times ago. And ever since then, he's like, Oh yeah, you know, you're right. And I said to him, you know, you always do that same pose and, and it's probably because some TV person told you that's your pose. You should do that. And so now you do it every time. And he's like, you know what? You're right. That's yeah. what, it's exactly it. Yeah. And after that, he's like, Oh, okay. I'm going to try something else. Or, yeah. you know, um, for me, I don't. I don't interrupt that so much, uh, you know, if that's what he's most comfortable with. But like, I also know that I spend enough time with him. I hang out with him more. Like I will do more sort of impromptu things and like, you know, it's a, it's a work in progress. I'm going to get to the point where I get like, I get him relaxed in the way that he's not putting on that show. Sure. Um, uh, and yeah, I mean, I've definitely worked with chefs who, you know, who have spent a lot of time on television, who have spent a lot of time, you know, higher up in, in the media world and, and have a presence, you mm-hmm. know, that they have constructed. Yeah, and persona, pre- yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, I... I'm fine with letting them do that. Yeah, for again. them, it's about consistency right. of, of image, you know? Right, yeah. right, exactly. Yeah. But I'm also, I'm also happy to get the, whenever I can to get the moments in between. 
Um, yeah. We've talked about a lot. I am an overshooter. Um, so part of that is... Clay takes more than 36 pictures at a time. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, not not on film, thankfully. Yeah. Um, um, but, you know, part of my sort of practice when I'm working with someone, certainly when I'm working with someone for the first time, is I'll do a lot of quote-unquote test shots mm-hmm. um, where... You know, I'll just let them know, hey, these are just test shots, so, like, relax a little bit and whatever. And, you know, I might take a 100 exposures just around them um, in their general direction, not even necessarily set up for composition or anything. So they get used to the sound. They get sure. used to me being in their face. They get used to the that all happening. Yeah. And, and they don't, you know, the tension that they might have come into it with um is is released a little bit by the time i'm ready to actually take the shot sure i mean it that, makes calling a pain in the ass but it's it's an interesting way of doing it i mean my i have a similar thing where i will take a couple of shots where i won't even look through the camera i'll just you know like oh yeah let me right. make sure the lights are working and exposure working right. and then i'll start talking to them and start taking pictures while we're talking yeah you know, it's like that kind of thing. So it's a similar yeah. kind of trick. Yeah, I have to throw out a million shots of, you know, people moving and gesturing and like, you know, blinking or talking yep. and their mouths are open, whatever, because I want them to get to the point where they're thinking about something else. So sure. that we're not thinking about, oh, my God, this fucking camera's in my face. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's such, it's the psychology of portraits is a whole thing. Do you find that when... If when you are actually shooting plates and stuff, because you do a lot of work for uh, cookbooks and stuff, you, yep. you shoot a lot of that stuff. Yeah. So that's in that case, it might be portraits. It might be environmental stuff of what's going on around the the place, or you know, when you were going down south and doing some stuff. So it's like outdoors kind of locations and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then sometimes it's food. Um, are are the people more worried about the plates than they are them or more, you know what I mean? Is, is, is the, is you shooting their food less stressful to them than you shooting them or vice versa? It depends on the person. Yeah. Cause the plates um, are kind of their children in some way, you know? Yeah. I mean, it depends on the person, I, I, but well, you know, usually if you're doing something like a cookbook shoot, um, you want to have a stylist on hand, sure. somebody who can, who's really doing that. And they, they tend to get a little less worried because they're like, I don't, I don't know what you're doing. Yeah. And I just have to trust you, the stylist to present this, to be moving those single pieces of rice with tweezers. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So those are the things that like, when you get to that point, yeah. Um, in restaurants, um, they might be a little bit more where it's just me and and I want a little bit more assistance from them because I want them to show me, you know, there's a thing like what's six o'clock, right? Like on a dish, if I'm shooting if I'm shooting a dish, I want to know where like like for a clock face, which where the six o'clock is. Like yeah, what the Yeah, which what what side of it should be at the bottom of the frame. Right. And yeah. right. What would face what person. would fest the diner, yeah, right? Because yeah. that's how you want it. You want to shoot it the way a diner would see it. Sure. Um, and so, you know, there is there is a back and forth about things like that. They, you know, uh, uh, might they might not necessarily be the one firing it, 
like creating like plating the dish but sure. they're going to come in and they're going to finish it off they're going to make sure that you know it's wipe the plate is wiped down there isn't a smear of something yep. where there's not supposed to be a smear of something there is a smear where there should be right like that sort of yeah. thing um um and then it becomes a little bit more uh collaborative um and they're definitely more comfortable with that part um, than they are with having their picture taken. That's in some way an extension of what they're doing all the time when exactly. they're serving. Exactly. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's so the idea, cause not all food looks good in a photo. Right. That's, is that ever tricky for you where you're just like, man, I understand this tastes good and I understand whatever it is, but making it look like something in a photograph is trickier than it might be. Um, or do you have you have you have tricks to that you can work around things you can try? Well, yes and no, right? Like, I I know that like certain dishes can be um, less sort of immediately pretty. Sure. Um, I think like this is the thing about like food not just being a subject but being something that i personally feel connected to mm-hmm. um uh helps me i think that when i'm looking at a dish if it's like you know usually it's the braised things it's like the stews and stuff like that sure. where you know it's just a sort of brown glob and yeah. and <laughs> you're like, how do I make that look good for me? I'm seeing it and I'm not thinking about it necessarily just in the aesthetic way. I'm thinking about it as like, well, what is it? Sure. I want to know, like, I want, I want to show, you know, a bit of the meat or a bit of this, you know, the texture. I want to stir it enough so you can see, like some of the ingredients and potatoes or peas or whatever. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And so like, if I want to arrange it so that there's a spoon in the stew that like has, that brings up some of the things that would have sunk to the bottom so that you can see their pieces of chicken or their pieces of pasta or whatever it is in here. Um, then I don't think I'm not, I'm not just thinking of it as how do I make this pretty? I'm thinking of it. How do I, um, make it clear to the viewer what this is and why yeah. it's delicious. Yeah, representing what it actually is yeah. as well as you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I totally get that. It's it's uh, and you, can we talk a little bit about your uh experience over time with dealing with lighting stuff? I mean, are you did you when you started out? Did you generally use windows? Did you use natural light and that kind of stuff? Yeah, I have always been more comfortable with natural light. It's always been a thing. We've talked about this a lot yeah. of times. I have always felt like, you know, daylight, sunlight, you know, direct, indirect, like those are always the the scenes that make me feel something more, yeah. right? Um and didn't hurt that it meant I didn't have to learn lighting. <laughs> um, I mean, because um, there are pictures that I see of yours and mine and other people yeah. where it's like, is that a window or is that a softbox? Like if you do it right, it's hard to tell. Yeah. I feel like I'm still not at that point where I feel like I'm really like my, 
when I do use lighting now, I don't feel like it looks the same as what I would do in a window light. Um, Interesting. I, 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 you know, some of it is equipment. Some of it is just like arrangement. Some of it is, you know, aesthetic. Yep. Since I can do something different, I do. Yeah. Um, but um, I definitely, you know, I feel like there's a difference in in the work. I I see a difference in the work that I'm making. Yeah. With lights and without lights. I mean, the, 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 I guess the tricky part is is if you're spending four hours shooting plates or whatever it is someplace for a cookbook yeah. and lights changing the whole time and these right. things have to be consistent in a book. It's right. like, well, then you're screwed. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you that the, the, the reason I, I started to focus more on using lighting is, uh, it was actually after shooting a cookbook that the entire shoot went off. Well, we did it. We did it with no lighting whatsoever. It was all window light, but it was a four day shoot in February. <laughs> and afterwards I was like, we are so lucky. Yeah. I mean, I had a light that I could have used, but like what you're saying is true. Like the, the there would have been consistency issues potentially. Like sure. it wouldn't necessarily fit the same aesthetic, yada, yada. Um, I, I, was greatly fortunate to have had um, Northern exposure and a big white building across the street. Sure. Sometimes you get lucky. <laughs> you like, yeah, basically yeah. architects built you a studio. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this was in a studio. This is a, this was in a, a daylight studio, but, um, um, but it was, they, it, it wasn't necessarily a huge window. No, the window was pretty big, but like, we were able to get bounce light off um, during like dusk and sunset where we were getting a little bit more light coming in for those last couple hours. And afterwards I was like, well, I'm glad we pulled that off, but (laughs) I want to make sure that like going forward, I've got options. Yeah. And if you're, if your camera's locked off and you can use, you could do a two second exposure if you really need it. That's different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, who was I? I was helping somebody. Oh, I was helping a, a guy that I met who does, um, he photographs clarinets oh. and he was using, he sells clarinets and he was trying mm. to come up with a, a system of, of photographing them and he was using like these led panels and I'm like, okay, those will, those will work. And let's do a four second exposure at low ISO so that like, it looks really good. Yeah. And then I said, you know, I happen to have a flash with me. Let me just see what it looks like with a flash. Cause there's a there's a sharpness to stuff when it's shot with flash. Right. Do you, when you go home and zoom in, you go to a hundred percent. Do you notice the difference between lights times when you use flash and when you don't? Absolutely. And, and I mean, I, I will say that it should look good without the flash, but somehow it doesn't have not, the same. Crispness. The same. Yeah. Yeah. I, you told me that years ago and ever, I knew I saw it, but I didn't, I couldn't explain it yeah. until, uh, until you had said that to me. And I, I realized that was the thing that I was seeing. And I use, I use flash all the time if I'm shooting events. Sure. Um, you know, the way that like, I, we were talking about my sort of flash situation earlier. Yeah. Um, you know, if I'm shooting events, I, I have a very specific 
lighting style that I use with my, my flash that like, you know, it's bouncing off the ceiling. It's going everywhere, but like, you know, get, but getting that sharpness on the people and, you know, uh, um, I'm also shooting pretty open. Sure. Um, and so I'm, I'm get, doing everything I can to pop the subjects out from a busy crowd of people. Yep. Um, whether it's for post shots or moments or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, so, I mean, um, that is one of the things whenever, like whenever I'm doing that kind of shooting, like lighting is all, has been a, a big part of that. That sort of lighting has been a big part of what I do. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, 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 it's amazing to me, even when you're using a, uh, even when you're on a tripod and locked down and you're using lights, somehow, somehow flash just feels, yeah. it looks different. It does. It the does. sharpness you get just looks different. Yeah. And uh, the edges on the, the shadows and like, yeah. you know, all of that just, it's, it's, uh, yeah, there's a, a, a definition. Yeah. And when people try to say, oh, I'm going to use hot lights. So why don't you just use LEDs and then you'll see what you're getting before you get it. It's like, it's still right. going to look different. Yeah. Yeah, I maybe maybe the difference is okay. I'm not right. saying it's. I mean, right. I prefer the look of the flash, but right. but uh, you know who knows. Yeah, I mean, I would love. Um, well, I wouldn't love to shop around a bunch of LEDs, but like, <laughs> I would love it if I could always just see what it's going to look like. If yeah. I you know had that sort of you know carrying around that. Besides having to carry around that sort of gear, like, um, but. I do think in the instances where I use flash that or strobe for the most part, um, I'm happy using that over, um, over constant light. Yeah. Uh, now you've been playing with, uh, film I have. more as time goes on. Yeah. The past, the past few years that you it and is, I have met up, you're carrying a Canon one V. Yes. It is, is a, a rather foolishly expensive habit. Yeah, it is expensive. <laughs> I, you know, but I love it. I shot that role so that Matt Carr gave me that role of film. Yeah. I dropped it off at Accurate Photo down here. Right. Our Connie and and and, and her husband, and I think the yeah. kids just run it now. Seemingly, whenever I go in, I see the parents them. aren't there. I see um, Connie and Tony there. Okay. I mean, last time I last time I was there, they were both there. Okay. Yeah, Maybe yeah. I just got the kids yeah. last time, and uh, I got to go pick up that film. Actually, I'll do that after we're done. Uh, but it was like $21 to get a roll of black and white developed with, yeah. you know, low res, relatively low res scans. Huh. It's like, well, that's, oh, that's a lot of money. You know, they always ask me if I'm shoot, if I, uh, I'm developing any black and white and I never am. So, but I guess it costs a little bit more. Well, I mean, and like, I think they, they have to either hand do it or they're doing it in a, they do it in batches. Like every yeah. few days, they don't do right. it every day. Like, yeah, they do. C41, you'll just, they'll run it through all you sit there and wait if you want right. for 20 minutes, you know? Yeah. yeah I've gotten... I've gotten like 10 rolls back within like two hours. Now what's your, what's your thinking there with using film? Is it, is it the, is it the, uh, uh, you know, a little bit of the randomness of you don't know quite what you're going to get. Do you like the look of it? Do you, is it that other people like the look of it or you like the look of it? It's me. I mean, I, I, I think a lot of film photographers, myself included, think that they're going to impress people by talking about by by showing that they're using film, and I don't think anybody else gives. Really, a that's shit. not true. I don't think anyone gives a shit. I think that other photo- outside of other photographers and ourselves, yeah, I don't, I don't think. See, I always thought that they say the clients love the film and all this stuff. Maybe I mean I've had people ask me like, 
And they were very delicate about it because they're like, is it a filter? Like, why does it look like that? Yeah. And I told them it's film. They're like, oh shit, you're shooting film? Yeah. I, I'll get that occasionally. People yeah. will be surprised at that. I mean, regarding what draws me to it, like, there's both a, a quality part to it. Um, and I don't just mean like, high quality low quality i mean like there are qualities to it sure. that uh that like draw me in but um but i think there's a psychological element on my own part the, of of how i shoot using film mm-hmm. um that um probably says more about how i should be shooting digitally um but i don't um it slows me down more. I'm more likely to say, I'm just going to, I just missed that shot and it's not, that's fine. And I can move on. Um, rather than spending 20 minutes and, you know, 300 exposures trying to recreate something. Right. 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 Um, I'm just, there's, um, there's both more and less pressure Mm -hmm. to getting shots because it's like, maybe it's not going to come out. And I don't need to spend too much time on it. I can just try to do whatever the next thing is. Um, I actually just last night went to an event. I was not, I was just invited. I of course had my camera with me, uh, the film camera. And um, I went with a flash and like a little CTO um, on the flash. And, just a little uh, gel for warming it up for people who don't know. So it's yeah, and, it's not so cold and sterile. Right. And and uh and a roll and a half of Portrait eight hundred. Um and I'm I'm going to accurate after this so we can walk over there together. Okay. Um I have no idea how it's gonna come out. Um yep. but uh you know, but there's something about like just trying it. And not necessarily. Well, there's nothing you know, on the line for you shooting right. last night, right? Yeah, exactly. So, like, I don't do very many. I don't do very many work assignments um, with film. I did, and and when I do, I'll maybe shoot both digital and film. And sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes. I ended up too focused on getting it, getting the job part done that then I forget to have shot more digital uh, in, more the, film, in that right? case is the film, the bonus. Yeah. The film, I always think of the film as for me. Okay. The digital is for the client. The film is for me. And <laughs> if I think the film came out well enough, then maybe I'll, I'll present that to the client. I actually, um, I actually shot an assignment in, the Bahamas last year, um, I was following a chef around, obviously, and, you know, got some of him with lighting outside, inside, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I shot the entire thing both um, on film and digital, and I like the way the, the film came out so much, I just didn't deliver digital. Right. And, um, and, you know, and it ended up... A, being a cover shot and ended up like being a nice spread and you know i was out it's out in the tropics 
there was a lot of great sun. I was shooting Ektar, um, and, uh, Ektar outside portrait, uh, 400 inside. And, um, and yeah, I mean, you know, there was this great saturation and like, you know, bright colors. The dish was full of colors. And so like shooting that with, with the Ektar, like it just all popped. Sure. Right. Um, that cover shot was, a uh, his hand, the chef's hands holding, um, a conch salad served in a plate with a, a, a plate that was, I think made out of conch or designed like a conch shell. And so like you have all these pinks and reds and greens and all of it just sort of popping out of the screen, right. Uh, uh out of, off a page really. Cause it was, it was a print magazine. So, um, and I just loved it. Now, do you think that you judge if you bring home pictures or there? <coughs> excuse me. I always find that I will come back with film shots and I may really like the film shot. But if I had taken the same picture with digital and looked at it on a screen, I may have flipped past it. Yeah, totally. You know, because, what I'm it's hard to explain because the qualities I was talking about, like the 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 aspects of it, the the texture to it, yeah. the, and even the flaws you see as yeah. worth more than in yeah. digital. It feels more disposable because of flaws. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, because it feels more like a moment capture. Yeah. Um, and again, I mean, a ton of that is just in my head and the person, you know, someone else viewing it might not see it that way. Sure. Um, especially if they don't know the difference, if I just post the image and not like say, Oh, this was a film shot of it. They're just like, okay. Yeah. I mean, there's so many ways that people can mimic the sort of film style. I think people are more interested in it these days because we've seen so much. The pioneers like you who are shooting film. <laughs> No, 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 no. I think the people, I think I'm, I, you know, I'm certainly not the only one who's been going back to film. Sure. There have been a lot of people using it lately. And, you know, um, when I first started, um, using it again a couple of years ago, I sort of had a theory that people weren't going to be into the, into food on film because we've been so trained. Most food media has been about like bright sharp crisp. perfection of it all right um uh food photos i mean you know that's been the thing that's the commercial style that's the that's the style in a lot of like food media yep it's all very like exact yep and um one i've been surprised at how that hasn't been the case um but two, I think that I think that in a larger way that people, younger folks mostly, younger than us at least, um, have been going to using film because it's more flawed. Yep. Because, you know, if you were a you know, if you're a twenty five year old, like almost all the images you've ever seen have been digital. Yeah, your phone, your phone can take a perfect picture. Right. Yeah. 
And so the idea that there is a texture to it that isn't just a filter, that isn't just yeah. something an app put on for you, but is that the, the, the charm of analog is that it's it's got these it's got grain, mm -hmm. right? So I you know I saw someone talking on threads the other day about how they were on a beach somewhere taking um like just making photos of whatever and some kid, whatever the, a kid is to that person, um, said, oh, what are you shooting? And he was like, gold. And he's like, oh, I like, uh, I prefer color plus. It's so much better. And it's like the difference between gold and color plus is basically that color plus is a shittier film. Yep. But like, it's great because it's a shittier film, right? Yep. Yeah, like, yeah. It's great because <clears throat> it got is, more character because it's more yeah, flawed. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I love, I mean, I'll, you know. I'll buy like a 10 pack of color plus if I'm not like taking it anywhere and I just want to shoot around the neighborhood and like, um, it's, you know, it's the cheapest film you can buy these days. Yeah. I mean, for the moment, I mean, I, I heard Kodak has raised rates, raised prices yet again. Well, stuff's expensive. It really is. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, that's an, I mean, that's another thing is that like, I, I honestly, have found myself more drawn to the cheaper films too for different reasons. I think, well, I think that gold in particular, but gold and Ektar and even color plus are better at different skin tones. Um, I think that Portra is very, is not very well balanced for brown skin. Okay. Um, I think gold has, better warm tones um i think the portrait tends to it's the tint on portrait that i find it's more desaturated too isn't it portrait i mean i used to shoot when i used to shoot portrait it was nc and vc was still right, around right, right. is the one that they now call portrait is that more nc or more more vivid color or more natural color i think it's more natural color i think okay. it's it's less saturated i but i don't it's not but there's yeah. like a, a green magenta yeah, shift. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Whereas, um, whereas gold has much more golden tones. It's much more of a warmer hue that I think brings out brown skin really well. Sure. Um, Ektar can be a toss up. It has a lot more magenta in it, um, which can be fine on which can can work on certain tones of brown yeah. skin but um but doesn't always look great with other skin. It's hard, you know, it's hard shooting people with darker skin on digital too is like getting the the color quite right. It's tricky sometimes. It's funny people have told me that like they like the way that I do that and I've never tried anything. You're not it's doing just, anything spe specific. Yeah, I think it's just the way I, like I don't I don't know and it's not like a whatever brag or anything. It's just yeah. like I've, I've always, my eye has always gone for like trying the way that I'm doing it has yeah. always been for getting that. Sure. And so like, I've never thought of it as a separate thing because like, it's always been the sort of default thing I've shot. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause like, I mean the, the, the times 
when I shoot people with darker skin, it's like I come home and I'll be like, oh, I didn't put enough light on that. Or right. I, you know, it's like there's, yeah. it just soaks up light differently. Yeah. It reflects differently. And, yeah, then, yeah, yeah. and yeah. then there is the magenta green shift sort of thing. You know, you right. need a little more magenta in there, right. you know? Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is, it is tricky. A friend of mine out in Detroit recently did some portraits of this woman and they're beautiful. And he used sort of like a cool sort of like, like a blue filter. Cause it's, it's more the highlights sometimes right, 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 on darker skin. You know, it's yeah. like, it was just interesting. It's like the, what he did, I was like, how did you do that, man? Right, like, right, you know, right, right. Yeah. uh, and, and so that, yeah, I always find that kind of stuff interesting. And you're, I mean, you said the social thing, you're a big social media guy. <laughs> Hardly. I don't think so. You don't think you're more than your no. average bear social media person. I don't, I don't really think so. No. Okay. Uh, I mean, do you like social media? Ugh, I, mean, I mean, that's a loaded question. It is. Um, to go to the first part, I, I I mean, I have a moderate following. I have yep. like, you know, I have multiple thousands, but not like, you know, not tens of thousands, right? Like, yeah. I don't, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, way more followers than me, man. I don't think that's true. Oh, I don't know. I, we'll have to check later. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll compare later. Right. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but honestly, for me, you know, and, and I see people complaining about engagement and all that stuff, and yeah. like, I don't, I don't go to social media like that. I don't go at social media that way. That's to not to how. to build engagement. You're not saying, oh, the kids are all doing reels now, so I guess I got to do reels. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, the people I, I I hear complaining about things are that like, oh, I have to do this in order to get in front of people or whatever. And I like my numbers, I don't pay a lot of attention to my follower numbers because I'm not aiming to be an influencer. Sure. I'm aiming to engage with particular community. Sure. And so if I get 50 likes on a post, and I know who those 50 people are. Yeah. That is more important to me than getting a thousand likes of a bunch of from people that I've never heard of. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Sure. Like if I know, if I can name those, the people who are engaged with a particular post because they are, they are a part of the food community. They are chefs I've worked with. They are friends of other chefs. They are, you know, um, they're writers or food people or in, in some capacity or another, then that is a bigger deal to me. If, if Tom Colicchio mm -hmm. comments on a post, which has happened once or twice, like he's I'm, the guy, by the way, who has poses when you photograph him. <laughs> there you go. I'm sure. I, yeah. I have no doubt. <laughs> he's like, you want this and this and this, right. he literally said, yeah. you want this, you want this, you want this, you want this, you want this. All right, moving on. That's amazing. Um, anyway, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I've never, I've never even met him, but, um, you know, he, if he's engaging in a post of mine, then I know I'm reaching the community that I am sure I'm, I'm aiming for. Yep. Right. Like, I think there's a, there was a, an article that came out this week, um, about, I think it was on box about, how we're all in this self-promotion game, right? Yep. Like, and how, how awful it is. Cause nobody actually wants to be in it, but like, it's something we all feel we have to do. Um, I mean, 
it's not that that's not self-promotion, but it's not self-promotion in the sense of like, I need the entire world to know who I am and right. be famous so that like, I can get work that way. It's that like, I want the people that I want to work with to see what I'm working on. Sure. Right. Yeah. It's less the, I'm so honored to be joining this team as the VP of whatever, you know, all right. that kind of nonsense. Yeah, right. right. You know? Exactly. It's not your yeah. LinkedIn post. Right. Yep. It's, um, and, and also it, it feels more community focused sure. where it is, you know, it is engaging with people who know each other, who I know, who I've spent time with. And, um, you know, there's a photographer, I imagine, you know, who, who this person is, who regularly posts their celebrity portraits and wants to tell you all about like sure. their five second engagement with this person yep, as though like they have their best friends. Right. Exactly. And they're one of 600 people who have taken pictures of this person. Right. And, and I want to actually, you know, like I don't need them to be famous people. I want these to be people that I actually know and I'm actually in community yep. with, right? Sure. Like if I'm posting about, you know, a chef that I've, I mean, I'm going to post, I'm going to post photos of whoever I've, 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 I've taken photos of, right? Like that, that's part of the work, but I'm not going to put out anything to say that like, Oh, we're best of friends unless like we've actually had time to, sure. to connect and talk and like engage and, and all of that. Right. Yep. Um, I think there's a difference between positioning yourself as being like sort of fame adjacent and, you know, actually being a part of a community. I always find that interesting. Even when there's some article or it's like, Oh, this person's pictures of the Beatles from whatever it is. And it's like, yeah. Literally hundreds of people photographed the Beatles in the 1960s. Sure. Paul McCartney has no idea who this guy is probably. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Like it's like that was one 30-minute yeah. thing and a right. whirlwind thing of this person. Right. I mean, sometimes it's a famous photo and sometimes it's super important. And like, you know, they had it, they did have a relationship. Or, mm -hmm. But sometimes it's just, yeah, here's a press photo that someone took like in a particular scene. Yeah. Um, at a particular moment and then, yeah, they never saw each other again. Sure. Yeah. Right. And there are people that I photographed that like, I maybe haven't seen again, but like then a couple of years later, like we, you know, we reconnect and, and it's like, oh yeah, we met each other at this place sure. yeah. or that place or whatever. And then we can actually have a conversation or whatever. Yep. Right. Like, um, I think you're fairly memorable too. Uh, I mean, people say that, I mean, but Oh my God. It was crazy there. Um, <laughs> I was at an event last year. I was photographing an event last year and, um, and you know, uh, going table to table, chef photos, blah, blah, blah. And, um, the chef who I met before, but don't really know well, mm -hmm. or I photographed before, but we've never had like a conversation. Um, said, oh, hey, you're coming back or whatever. Or you, or did you ever, you know, something about like, about photos for, for New York magazine. And his memory was correct. No. Oh, okay. It wasn't me. Oh, really? There's another photographer who I have to assume, I, I went and I like looked up the article that she was talking about. Um, 
And sure enough, it's another uh, photographer who's a tall black guy with uh, yeah. big hair. Well, I assume he's tall. It's the internet, so who knows? Was it a reasonable mistake or an unreasonable mistake? Um, I wasn't offended by it. Right, 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 right. But, like, but, yeah, I mean, when you say that, like, you know, I'm a memorable guy. Like yeah. a lot of times it's the broad strokes that people remember. Sure, right? Like, sure. And this is somebody who I hadn't, um, you know, I've only seen sort of in passing and I know who she is in like her restaurant, but I've been wanting to go sure, or whatever. But like, but yeah, so, you know, I don't ever bank on being memorable because of, you know, my sort of look or, or whatever. It's like, I want to engage with people so that they remember me specifically. Of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it doesn't hurt to be a, to, to be physically memorable in some way. You sure, know what I mean? Right, like, yeah, like yeah. right, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Speaking of community, the black food folks stuff, did that yeah. start out on Twitter? No. Um, that started out in person. Um, this month is five years since we launched. Uh, we have yet to figure out how three and a half of that in, uh, quarantine. Well, so, <laughs> right. Well, so that's the thing is that it's funny because we started out as, a um in-person gathering um uh just to get everybody in a room and say hi and get to know each other yeah. and and figure out how we could help each other and and that sort of thing was it clicking that way before lockdown yeah it was amazing i mean people got really excited about it yeah. i mean we we only did i think three ish in-person events okay um we were just past our first anniversary when COVID happened. Um, and you know, that after that is when people became to know it because of our, because of Instagram. Um, so we always had, we had an Instagram account from the start, sort of just saying, you know, it, it was, uh, it's something I actually feel like I want to go back to. Um, especially now that I feel like I'm doing more portrait work anyway. Who was your partner um, on that? Uh, Colleen Vincent is okay. uh she's a vice president of the uh, the Beard Foundation. Okay. Um and and yeah, I mean our first gathering was really her, you know, her we got some folks together at her dad's tax office which has a, an event space in the back and um we asked a couple people if they could, you know, uh, donate some bring some, food. some drinks and bring some food yeah. and um there wasn't as much uh, much of a program as much as like, hey, let's all get together and a little and, meet and greet. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Sure. And and um, and yeah, it was just like a sort of social setting for people, you know, who are often very sort of atomized to to be in one place and and you know, in in the food world, as honestly in in a lot of other other industries there's often this feeling that like, Oh, there aren't a lot of black people doing X, Y, or Z. Sure. Um, and there's a, a feeling that like, Oh, well, if we got a couple in, then, then that's our representation. Sure. Right. Right. Um, and, and, you know, a, a lot of times, that feeling leads to people saying, okay, well, we need to water this down. We need to make this, you know, this is too niche. This is, you know, we need to, this is something we need to 
explain to a wider audience, a wider, wider audience. Sure. Um, and, and when you think you're the only one there in this space, it feels like, oh, okay, well, that's why we have to do that. We, you know, the initial idea had been to just get like a couple people, you know, like maybe 20 people, 30 people in the back room of a bar somewhere, have a, you know, a little happy hour thing or whatever. Um, we start, you know, I started, I sent out some emails and over the course of the two weeks between when we announced it and when it actually happened, there were so many people asking, you know, like, Oh, can I bring blah, blah, blah. Or, Oh, Hey, I heard you guys are doing something like I'm, on my way home from Australia and I'm going to have a stopover in New York. I want to come. So there was a right? thirst like, for it. Yeah. Is there, and, I mean, the f- well, hold on. Ahead, yeah. And we ended up, um, breaking a hundred people, yeah. like a hundred people showed up for yeah. this thing that we thought was going to be small and that we thought was just going to be like this, you know, like re- uh, relatively intimate group of folks yeah. because we've all been led to believe that like, Oh, there aren't that many black folks in the industry. Well, I mean, that's the food industry in general is not is a not a small world, but like a world that is very, kind of insular. It seems like everyone assumes they know each other. And if, right. if you're a minority inside of that, it's probably like, oh, you're you're in the food world and you're black. You probably know that other person. Right. But of course, that's not true of most so people. But right, like right, but there was an assumption that like, yeah. oh, you must know that guy or that right. woman or whatever right. it is. And I mean, what ends up happening is that like, you know, media generally sort of attaches to the easiest story right and so the easiest story is that like oh well there's this person who's doing this and that means that like they're talking about there was a thing specifically with chefs where for years there could only ever be one chef that anyone was talking about because it was like oh marcus samuelson is the famous black chef right and and you know marcus does a bunch of stuff he's 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 great he's out there but like it meant that every time someone wanted to do a story about a black chef they just kept going back to him um and then you know i mean marcus is still doing his thing he's still out there and he's huge and and whatever but like then a couple years later it was jj johnson and jj johnson was doing his thing and so anytime like you know it was the black story there was only the one and there was a culture excuse me there had been a culture before sort of based on that that like oh i have to be i have to beat out everybody in order to get the attention and what like we found was that no we're here and if we collaborate and work together and promote help promote each other that makes it more clear that they're that we're here rather than it accepting a system where it's like well only one person is going to get the praise and attention at any given time was there competition because of that was there sort of a sniping kind of thing historically there had been i think by the time by the time we were doing it doing the black food folks thing we all sort of saw that that was counterproductive and not good for anybody but we hadn't reached the point where we could really recognize, well, what are other options? Sure. And I think the idea of, um, of, uh, collective support and promotion, um, 
required understanding who's there and who's doing what. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was sort of the niche that we were going for. And so with the with the pandemic, when that uh, you know when when everything happened with lockdown and all that, um, we ended up sort of continuing that conversation online and having. I think we hosted by the time by the time we it all sort of petered out. We hosted, I don't know, two hundred plus hours of live conversations and 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 interviews and chats and happy hours and all sorts of things. All almost all on Instagram. Yeah, you, you find a way to do it during the lockdown. Yeah. I mean, restaurants and food in general. I mean, the lockdown's going to really put a damper on that all of it right and so i mean it was great because what it meant i mean what it meant for me and what it meant for a lot of us is we had something to do sure um you know i part of the reason that colleen and i were the ones to put something like this together was that um was that we're in positions where we see a lot of people um from different strata in the industry. So, you know, if you're a chef, you're only working with the, if you're a cook, not even a chef, if you're in a cook, you're just seeing other people online with you. You know, maybe you know someone in the front of house, back of house, whatever. If you're not the chef, you're not even necessarily meeting the people who are in media, who are writers, who are photographers, unless, unless you run into me yeah. at a shoot during, you yeah, know, or PR people something. send you over. Yeah. Right. And so, and so, you know, you're sort of walled off in like your, your silo. Um, as a photographer, I'm going to a lot of different places as, you know, Colleen's role at the foundation, uh, a lot, you know, was similarly connected her to other people across the industry. And so we had, you know, we had the like the the rolodex basically to say like oh these are all people who are doing similar things who are working you know working on you know uh, are, are dealing with the same challenges who are working on the same sort of projects and who can help each other and it would be great if they could meet each other and instead of just one by one you know i would have a conversation with a chef <clears throat> i would have a conversation with a chef during an event or how, you know, have drinks with a writer, like after hours or whatever, and was hearing very similar stories from everybody. And so, you know, would give, would be able to say, Oh, Hey, I know somebody else who's dealing with this. You should talk to them. And instead of it all being about us connecting those people, we just, we thought it made sense to just have a place where people could actually meet and connect and, and get to know each other. And, and trade those notes and have those conversations. And, um, and, uh, yeah, it, it, it was great. I don't, we've been on a little bit of a hiatus for the last year or so. We've done a couple in person things, um, tied to particular events, but honestly, you know, um, you know, no one pays us for this. So this is the, yeah, this is the problem. There's so much of this kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you got to, then you, then you got to figure uh, this is my, 
not penance to the community, right? This is like the payment right. that it takes to, to right. keep all this going. And right. who knows what comes out of it by banging these billiard balls against yeah. each other, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, so it's just a matter of having the time, right? Cause you, you've got to be able to balance it with the rest of your other obligations and having the time to be able to set something up. There was a newsletter that I did that was connected to it and I loved it, but it, it took sometimes three days to put together and um you know i don't i don't have the time to put something like that to do something like that in the same way anymore um you know uh and it you know it's something i would love to bring back but i'd need like an intern or somebody to be able to help me um like put something like that together you gotta find an intern now one day yeah i mean you know I mean, one of the things, one of the things is, uh, one of the challenges is that one of our like biggest sort of, uh, pillars, uh, as far as, you know, ideals go is like, we don't want people working for free. Um, right, so, right. uh, so, you know, it gets, it gets difficult to then ask for, you know, look, go looking for people that you can't pay, um, yeah. to do certain things. So you have to find people who are willing to do you know, do something for the community in that sort of way. And, you know, hope, hope, uh, eventually that you can find someone who can do it. Did you, was food a big thing in your family when you were growing up? Um, well, you know, we ate every day. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I've been asked that before and I'm not really sure. I mean, yes. Um, to some degree. Um, but we were not, like our family didn't eat out a lot. Yeah. Um, necessarily. Um, you know, um, my grandmother cooked, um, and was the, you know, the, the one in the family who, who did a lot of that. Um, and so I, I always have memories of that, but then also, you know, when I moved to Brooklyn, I lived with my aunt and, you know, there was always like the pizza place that we went to sure. that we liked and like, you know, there were, it wasn't fancy places, but like, you know, I remember, I remember in the eighties, like the first Thai place that we knew, you know, um, was in Brooklyn Heights and we would go there and, um, um, and there were always, you know, it was always something that we, put love into but it wasn't necessarily like it wasn't necessarily in the context of like fine dining or going out to eat or or special things like that i mean there were particular places we would go that were important to us and that um you know there's no no regular spot where you went all the time right? sure yeah, yeah 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 i was it always cracks me up whenever i talk to somebody who's in the food industry especially chefs and things and i and I'll ask them like, you know, what do you do when you get home? And he's like, oh, whatever's easiest, whatever's right, right in front of me. Like, of course. I don't, yeah. The last thing I want to do is think about food when I get home. Right. Is that true of you too? No. Um, well. Obviously not making food all day long, but you're around food a lot. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I still love to eat. So yeah. I, I'm very, um, you know, I like to cook. Um, um that's one of the things that like I lost a little bit after the pandemic, after lockdown, because 
you know, at the time I lost all my gigs and no one, anything was going to happen. Like, sure. Um, and so cooking was the thing that like, that I could control. And mm-hmm. so I basically woke up and would start planning for the day. Like what, what's for breakfast, what's for lunch, what's for dinner. Um, and, um, and that I think took a little of the, it, it, it helped me survive, but it took a little of the joy out of it afterwards. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I don't cook as much as I used to. Um, but I, I'm I'm hoping to to get back to a place where where I enjoy it the same way as I used to. Um I think I'm getting there. <laughs> uh you think there's anything we haven't covered? Do you Oh I, I don't know. I mean there's there's always something, but no, I think we're good. All right, we'll have you come back next time. We'll, sure. we'll we'll find some more stuff to talk about. Yeah, totally. Thank you, Clay. Thank you.